Hey, if you, if you are new, if you're visiting this morning, as I said before, welcome. We are so glad you are here. Um, this is uh, Family Sunday, all in together uh, as one. And uh, we are going to continue on our, our teaching series. I won't take too long, but I um, just want to give you a quick overview of what we've been doing. We're doing a series called The Standard with the, the tagline, um, when Jesus becomes the standard, we become disciples, that, that we, all have to, we all live by certain sets of rules and standards that we go, yep, that's worth following. Um, but the question we need to all ask ourselves is, this, are the standards that we live by actually credible enough to give us the life that, that is going to give us the ultimate meaning, the ultimate freedom, and the ultimate purpose? And, and I would argue that if, if Jesus is that standard, then yes, we will find ultimate freedom, ultimate meaning, and ultimate purpose in this life. If it's just what the world tells us we should have, if it's just based on our, our past experiences or our own personal preferences, then I don't think that's going to give us the quality of life that, that following the creator of life will give us. And um, I want to just give a shout out to Brendan and the crew for last Sunday. Who was here last Sunday for the panel? Wonderful. Um, I was away having a midlife crisis dealing with the fact that I just turned 40. Um, and so I said, guys, I can't even face church this week. I can't even do it. Um, and so it was great that Hannah and Lynn and Ben and, and Brendo took that last week. And I, uh, I did listen back. and It was absolutely wonderful. And I've started a prayer team for uh, Ben Nias um, just to pray for him um, and those of us that do 40 in an 80 zone that really flare up his rage um god works all, thing to get, all things together for good bro it's all good so good so we're going to continue the series um looking at what is the standard that jesus gives us right like it's all good to say oh yeah jesus is my standard but that doesn't really mean a lot till we figure out what is it is that he leaves us as the standard and are we going to respond accordingly to that standard. So what we've decided to do is just go through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' first major public preach and address and see how it is he describes the kingdom of God and then gives us a, a, a few standards to live by. So today we're going to jump into, um, we're going to tackle two in Matthew 5, uh, verse 33 to 37, and then also 38 to 42. So we're going to start there. If you've got a Bible, uh, scroll with me or read along. Um, Matthew 5, verse 33. Again, you have heard it said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take on an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or one hair black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word that is alive and living. We thank you, Lord, that um, we choose today to lean into the truth of your word. Let it shape and mold us and let it be the standard by which we live this life. And I pray that we would experience flourishing and blessing as we choose to align our life with the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So here, in these few verses, Jesus is trying to keep us honest. 
in days gone by, years gone by under the old covenant, and this is why he starts with, uh, you have heard it said to those in days of old, right? And, um, and he says this often in the, the Sermon on the Mount to sort of say, hey, listen, the Old Testament said this, um, the forefathers experienced this. Um, so what Jesus is doing in this particular context is uh, helping us to see that, we <laughs> love it, have family Sunday, they said, it's awesome. Um, to keep us honest, because what would happen is people would create these oaths and make these oaths. Um, and then what we would do, because we are interesting creatures, us humans, we, if we can find a loophole and expose it, we will. That's what we do. Um, it's not right, but it's just the, 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 the fault of the human condition. So over millennia and centuries, people would make oaths, but they would find these loopholes in order to get their way out of it, in order to take advantage of the other person and therefore uh, achieve something of gain for themselves. And Jesus is saying, look, stop doing that. Stop making these oaths against me. Stop making these oaths against the temple, against yourself. Um, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Just be an honest, upright person. Um, stop trying to find ways to get out of stuff. Um, as I said, they would swear oaths against both God, the temple, and in doing so, they would devalue God and devalue the temple because they didn't stand, they didn't uh, live up to the oath that they were declaring against such a thing. Um, and so, so for me, when I read scripture, when I think about my faith, God, his name, his temple, his mission are sacred things and should be lived in such a way and should be held up in such a way that they are sacred. And to, to simply make a, an oath against them and then not live up to that is to, is to devalue God and devalue his kingdom and what he's all about. And, and that's a very dangerous place to be. Um, we're called in Ephesians 4 verse 15, we're called to speak the truth in love. So the context here is Jesus is saying, hey, listen, just be truthful people, right? Stop making all these oaths, just be men and women of your word. So Ephesians says, we've got to speak the truth in love. So let's break that down. What is truth? Well, truth is what is right. What is correct is not your opinion, it's not your preference, it's not what you would like. The truth is simply that it is what is correct, what is right. And what is love? Well, love is for the benefit of others. That's what love is. So we are called to speak what is right so that others would be beneficiaries of the truth. That's who we are called to be as Christians. Now, what happens in, in, in life, because people are people, we can sort of, uh, people love this scripture, but they, they love one part of it, right? So people who love the truth more than they love love become super legalistic and religious. And so they just want to win the argument and they're happy to lose the friendship. They want to make themselves look right because they love themselves because what they're really promoting is truth. But then those who, who value love more than truth, they want to maintain friendship so they'll avoid tricky conversations, they'll avoid difficult um, uh, things to, to talk about because they want to just keep the friendship. And so they, they will then violate that by not speaking what is right. They'll just love the person. But we're called to do both. We're called to speak what is right and what is true for the benefit of other people. Does that make sense? Exactly. Um, so trust, trust thrives in an environment of truth. So when, when we are truthful with people, when people know that we love them, then trust starts to grow in that, in that environment. Conversely, cynicism or, or skepticism thrives in an environment of dishonesty. And, and that's what I see in, in the world today is like 
why is there such controversy around the COVID vaccine rollout? Why, why is there such apprehension? It's because I, I kind of see there are so many mixed messages out there. There are so many voices vying for our attention that, that we have a level of distrust with media outlets, a little level of distrust with social media, with mainstream media, and so we just don't know what to believe. And so skepticism thrives in a culture and in an environment of dishonesty where we don't trust people because there's not, there's not that truth thing there. So we're going to be people of truth. If we say something, we're going to do it. We're going to let our yes be yes, let our no be no, and let it be so. Um, Colossians 3.9 says, Do not lie to one another, for you've taken off your old self with its old practices. So we've got to be just people of truth. But again, if Jesus is the standard and we are the disciples, who is he that we follow? He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. So our lives should be marked by truth. That's how it works. Martin Lloyd-Jones, incredible theologian, thinker, pastor from England, says this, We should always speak as in the presence of God. Whenever we speak, we should be conscious of the fact that we are in the presence of God, which means we can't speak lies, we, we can't speak manipulation, we have to speak the truth. Which brings us to my next point. I'm sort of rushing through this, but that's okay. You can listen back online and, and digest the content, or you could read along um, in the Bible yourself. That's oaths, right? Now I want to move on to what Jesus talks about in the next few verses, which is retaliation. This is not comfortable for a lot of us who just want to make things right because we love the truth sometimes more than we love love. So Matthew 5 verse 38, switching gears a little bit. You have heard that it was said, again Jesus is saying, you've heard it was said, this is what the Old Testament teaches, this is what the, the old boys used to promote. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We see that in Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, it's all there. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other one also. Is there anyone that wants to volunteer for a demonstration this morning? Um, just a pra- practical demonstration of what Jesus is... No? Okay. That's good. Willow, yeah, Willow does. Yeah. Come here, sweetheart. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, jo- I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh, dear Lord. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him also have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Like this, this is, everything here is anti what is ingrained to us in contemporary culture. We, we live, if we're really honest, we live the opposite of this. Like we want that old law, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Because there's that natural built injustice system in us to make wrong things right and we, we buy into the, the thing which sounds really nice in the world where the punishment should fit the crime if you punch me in the mouth and knock out a tooth well there's my right to punch you back in your mouth and knock out one of your teeth or if you you hit me with a spear and knocks out my eye then I get to gouge out one of your eyes because the punishment should fit the crime an eye for an eye a tooth for a tooth and Jesus is saying yeah that's cool That's what the perversion of the law that was made prominent by the Pharisees and the scribes did. But I've come to bring in a new covenant, a new way, where you let vengeance be mine. 
and you live peaceably with other people? Will you let go of the things that you must feel have to be corrected in your own strength and just simply lay that down and follow me? In fact, more than that, go the extra mile. Don't, don't withhold, but actually give. And so the interesting, interesting thing is we have this mentality of the punishment should fit the crime, which is the exact opposite of the gospel. Because here's what happens in the gospel. Read Ephesians chapter 2, that, that God freely, as a gift to us, gives us mercy and gives us grace, neither of which we deserve. Let's break down mercy. Mercy is this. Mercy is we don't get what we actually deserve. That's mercy. Like, like if, if I've offended you and, and you've come to just beat me down and I'm like this and I deserve you to beat me down and you walk away and let me go, that's, I've received your mercy. And this is what God has done for us is we are all sinners, every single one of us, and the wages of our sin is death, Romans would say. And so we've all sinned against God because He is holy and perfect and righteous. And so we are not. We know we're not. We're far from that. But God, in His infinite grace and love, lavishes His mercy upon us where we do not get what we deserve. Moreover than that, His grace is also lavished upon us where we get what we don't deserve. His grace, we don't deserve that, but we get that freely because that's how good and kind and loving and gracious our God is, that that whenever we turn away from our sin and acknowledge Him and trust Him, He withholds His wrath and replaces it with mercy and he He pours His grace on us, which He could have withheld from us. His unearned, unmerited favor towards us now flows freely. But if we want to hold to that, the punishment should be equal to the crime thing, then we violate the very gospel that has seen us set free and brought into God's family in the very first place. So God is bringing in, Jesus is bringing in a brand new way of thinking, a brand new way of living. Um, Matthew 10 verse 8 says this, Jesus teaches that we should freely give to others because God has freely given to us. And this is good hermeneutics, right? This is good a way of breaking down and understanding Scripture. It's not just taking an isolated passage and going, that's it, I'm going to build my whole life around that. It's going to hold on. What does the entirety of Scripture say about this particular issue? And that will help me build a, a theology around that. So here we see five chapters later, Jesus saying, hey, listen, freely you have received, so freely should you give. And that's the mentality of the kingdom of God, that God has given us what we don't deserve. He's withheld withheld what we do deserve, and we should respond accordingly when we interact with other people. It's huge. And Romans, um, Paul just gives us such incredibly rich, razor-sharp insight into all of this in chapter 12, verse 17 21. Repay no one evil for evil. Now, we we don't like that, because that's... I want to slap that person in the face. Well, Jesus has turned the other cheek. So instead of giving evil for evil, give thought to do what is honourable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, 
giving something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's a shift. Jesus is turning life on its head. Jesus is um, communicating in the Sermon on the Mount the way the kingdom of God operates. And if we truly are going to hold him to the standard as King of Kings and Lord of Lords that positions us as disciples, then we have to overcome the hurdle inside of us that wants to live out of our flesh, that wants to live reactionary and shift that to live responsibly where we respond to God's word and God's kingdom in a way that honours him, that we live peaceably with all people and we can follow him the way he calls us to follow him. So, in light of what we just discussed, and considering the mercy that we have received from God, considering the grace that has been given to us so liberally because of God's kindness. I want to to read again with no further comment. Jesus is teaching in Matthew 5 on retaliation. And I'm going to close the message right here, but here's what I want to do. As I'm reading this, I'm just going to read it word for word. And I want... I want you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. I want you to let the words of Christ jump off the page and into your heart and into your mind and shift whatever needs to be shifted. This is not a one-size-fits-all message. The principle is one-size-fits-all, but the practicality of how it works is different for every single one of us because we all face different situations and circumstances and different circles we roll in. But, but my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would be at work in us, that this is not just a, a nice TED talk that talks about Jesus, but this is like the preaching of God's holy word that would lead to the transformation of God's chosen people. That's what this moment is all about. So if you've got a Bible, read with me. If not, you can just listen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile with him, go two miles. Give to the one who begs. And do not refuse the one who would want to borrow from you. God, in this moment, we ask you would speak to us. You'd reveal truth to us. You'd help us shift and reprioritize and reorientate our life 
so it doesn't just align verbally with you, but it aligns practically with you. Because that's where the power flows. That's where the, the fruit is, is cultivated in, in our lifestyle and our words aligning with, with you. That we're not just hearers of the word only, but we're doers. So this, this morning as we listen to what you've said, God, about taking oaths, about being truthful people, about being honest, upright people, about living with integrity, about letting our yes be yes and our no be no. As we've learned about retaliation and turning the other cheek and giving above and beyond. Lord, help us to realize what areas of our world need to shift what do we need to give up? What do we need to surrender? What do we need to let go of so that our life would truly match what you say life should be about? God, we know we make mistakes. We all, gosh, fall short of the glory of God all the time. But I thank you that your grace is sufficient. And that we might have come here this morning all messed up and broken and had a week of making dumb decisions and saying things we should never have said or behaving in ways we should never behave. But I thank you that your mercy is new every single day for us. Lord, let us drink upon your mercy and grace this morning. Help us to realign ourselves with you today. Lord, so that we, we can truly be engrafted into the true vine where life flows and fruit flourishes. Help us be bold enough to put ourselves second and put you first. Help us be courageous enough to speak the truth in love and that we'd not elevate one over the other but we would value what is right and demonstrate that by, by speaking in such a way for the benefit of other people. Lord, this week would you give us opportunity to be not just recipients of your grace and mercy but distributors of it. We could show mercy to somebody else who we feel doesn't deserve it. We could show grace to somebody else who we feel doesn't deserve it. Because freely we have received, so freely we should give. Because that's the standard that you've set for us. That's the standard of disciples. So Lord, help us in our imperfection to live like you. And Lord, more importantly, help us just to be with you every day. So it's not just about our doing, it's about our being. Thank you, we just be aware of your presence every moment of every day. That still small voice. But even from the, the youngest children in here today, Lord, I pray that you would just speak to them that they would know what your presence feels like they would know what your voice sounds like. And that you would lead and guide the children 
as well as the adults, God. And Father, I thank you for every family, every marriage this morning. Lord, you would bless them. Lord, today is Family Sunday. So bless marriages, bless parents, bless households, God. Where there is unity, it commands a blessing. So I pray for unity in marriages, unity in families, unity amongst children, in particular my children, Lord. And Lord, the week ahead would be graced with beauty and blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God is good. Devil is bad. God wins. Hey, um, we're going to call it a day right there, but we're going to have tea and coffee and hang out straight after the service. So if you're new or visiting, please hang out with us.